Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, December 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Do the Chiefs have a Cincinnati Bengals problem? They did last year when the Bengals swept the Chiefs with the second loss coming in the AFC title game at Arrowhead. The teams meet on Sunday in Cincinnati, and the Chiefs have plenty of emotional advantages. But if they don't find a way to win, well, what will we think about a rematch in the playoffs? We discuss that and more topics on today's Sportsbeat KC with columnist Vahe Gregorian and beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope. The show started as a Sportsbeat Live broadcast. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from chilly Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. So send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk Chiefs with you guys. We've got Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope here today. Guys, how we doing? Everybody good? Just great. Here, hearing no objection, we will continue on. Uh, hey, um, so Herbie, because injuries might play a role here uh, this weekend. Get us started with the injury report and um, and who's back and who is not back for the Chiefs game against Cincinnati on Sunday. Yeah, let's start off with first off, who's back? Uh, Juan Thornhill, who did not play in week 12 with the calf injury, he put in a full practice Wednesday. So that's a good sign that he's trending up. The same thing with left guard Joe Tooney, who uh, did not play with an ankle injury. He put in a full practice Wednesday. So that's absolutely a good sign. Uh, last week, they, they went to Nick Allegretti, who actually held his own against Aaron Donald. So getting those two pieces back, though, it certainly bodes well for the Chiefs leading into Sunday's showdown with the Cincinnati Bengals. As for the players who did not practice Wednesday, there were three of them. Uh, Kadarius Tony is probably the biggest one. Obviously, he's still dealing with the hamstring injury. The Chiefs are not going to push him to come back sooner than later. Uh, they're going to take their time with that. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't practice with an illness, and Jarek McKinnon, who's been dealing with all kinds of injuries uh, on the injury report, shoulder, hip, whatever, he's dealing with a hamstring injury now, and he did not practice Wednesday as well. So that, you know, right now, that those are the three big names, but the two names coming back uh, is good news. Yeah, I want to emphasize Allegretti's game. Uh, it looked like he, he really, as you said, Herb, he really did hold his own in, in place of Joe Tooney, and that's a you know, for the Chiefs to have that kind of depth at offensive line, uh, pretty good thing for for uh, for Andy Reid's team. Go tend to agree. I mean, you got to remember that first series there. It looked like Aaron Donald was was on his way to have himself some kind of a game there. You know, he re- recorded two tackles and a quarterback hit on the Chiefs' first series. But you know, we find out yesterday or Wednesday, we find out that Aaron Donald suffered a high ankle sprain in that first quarter. Oh. Uh, but, but, you know, the fact that they were still able to negate Aaron Donald after that, uh, after that first series is pretty good. You know, you got to give credit to Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and, of course, Allegretti. Okay, Cincinnati Bengals are the opponent in the Queen City on, uh, uh, on, on Sunday, th- uh, l- late afternoon slot. So uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, so – Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback since 2018, actually started the final game of the 2017 season. And he's had his good games, and he's had a couple of bad, a few bad games uh, in his career. But until last year's AFC championship game, 
I never put a, I never assigned blame for a loss to Patrick Mahomes. Um, Chiefs lost games, of course, but you know you could find reasons why they lost outside of the quarterback position. It was the defense, drop balls, fumbles. You know, didn't manage the game well from a coaching standpoint. I never, you know, you look at the Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks and. It was a lopsided loss, but Mahomes was almost heroic in that game, uh, you know, scrambling for his life. And, you know, the, the the AFC championship game lost to the Patriots in Mahomes' first year as a starter. Never got the ball in overtime, um, and he brought him back in the second half and then had the miraculous drive just to get the field goal to go into overtime. So I, I just it kind of absolved him from any kind of blame which is why last year's AFC championship game kind of shook me a little bit the way he played in the second half. And I know we talked about it this week, but by, um, I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, it was, it was just different and, you know, kind of, you know, I, I think maybe scarred chiefs fans a little bit to see him have the half that he did to, for the chiefs to lose the big lead and, and fall to the Bengals. And I bring all this up because, um, and, I, and I want to get Jesse's thoughts too later, but where these two teams are this year, and if there's a, um, you know, if, if there's any reason to believe that we could see something similar this time. But just what was it like? Because I, I did miss the game; I wasn't there. But just sitting in the press box and watching the Chiefs fall apart in the second half of that title game last year. Well, there was there was sure a lot going on. Um, I I don't I, I I agree with your premise about. You know, any other time they've lost games with Patrick, you could typically absolve absolve him. But this was a, such a crazy different second half, starting with the end of the first half, of course, with that uh, sort of ill ill played final sequence that could have been a knockout blow for Seinfeld fans. It could have been the death blow, um, and and it and it wasn't. And then look, Patrick threw two interceptions after halftime. Uh, I, I always think about the back-to-back sacks down near the goal line, that the time management on that sequence. Um, we've spoken with him a little bit about it, but we've also spoken with Andy Reid a little bit about it. And you guys were there when we were in Andy Reid's dorm room talking uh, in, in late camp in, in St. Joe, talking a little bit about the, the residual effect of the Bengals game. And look, there's plenty of X's and O's stuff. But as far as the psychological mumbo jumbo, I think that's a that's a factor. And Andy used terms like that, that they didn't keep an edge. You know, they they and Patrick, when I asked him about it after the game on Sunday, talked about they thought they were going to coast through the second half. And, I, you know, how that plays out in real time is another matter. Right. But there's a mentality we're talking about here. And I think that's what's kind of interesting going into this game, especially with um, looks like a little woofing going back and forth between each team here. So, you know, uh, in the pantheon of Chiefs of Mahomes losses uh, or losses with Mahomes, I should say, that's that's a singular game. And what what also stands out and you guys have all been here longer than I have. But um, I think Sam McDowell would tell you he thought that that was of all the crushing Chiefs postseason playoff losses, the entire catalog, that this one is as high up there as any because of because of the fact that we thought the Chiefs were past that. You know, I think with that game, Andy Reid became the only uh, 
only coach to have um, leads of 18 points or more, uh, lose multiple games of uh, leads of 18 points or more in the postseason. It's some stat like that. So there's a lot there. I kind of rambled, um, but, you know, that's how I roll. We like rambling. Um, and you're right. The, the, the three, he's the only coach to have uh, three playoff losses after holding the leads of, of 18 or more. And uh, that was the first one, though, with, with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the other two came with uh, uh, with Alex Smith, at quarterback. So, uh, yeah, Jesse, you were at the game, and you you had just started basically started just started covering the Chiefs. It must have been, you know, you're sitting there watching the Chiefs with a 21 to three lead in, in the late in the first half. Vahe alluded to a couple of plays. First, the you know, the not scoring the touchdown or passing up the field goal and not scoring the touchdown at the end of the first half with the the, the ill-fated play past Tyreek Hill and he couldn't get in the end zone. Um, but also, heck, Joe Mixon with the uh, with the long touchdown. Uh, I think it was a short reception. and Maybe it was a run. I can't remember. But it was about 40 yards to to kind of give the Bengals life. And then they, they continued that life with uh, keeping the, the Chiefs out of the end zone just before halftime. And I thought in a critical sequence – the, the, the Chiefs got the ball to start the second half, and Mahomes went incomplete, incomplete to to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and gave the ball right back to the Bengals. So I just had a sinking feeling at that point, and, uh, and my feelings were true as it turned out. But, you know, first of all, Jesse, what were your – kind of what were your thoughts as that game was unfolding, and how much should – how much should Chiefs fans think that there's – you know, it could be a motivating factor for, for them on Sunday. Yeah, I remember doing this Sports Beat Live after the game, and the Chiefs were up 21-3, and I said, if you'd have given me one million reasons for the, why the Chiefs might lose to the Bengals after being up 21-3, bottom five on the list would have been that Patrick Mahomes fell apart. And that's what happened. I mean, uh, there's been some discussion this week about it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was asked about it yesterday at the press conference, sort of like, do you have guardrails now? Are there things where you're sort of losing your fundamentals or your mind, for lack of a better term, where where, where he obviously was just off mentally in that second half and, and he couldn't get it back on track. And so what part of what Andy Reid talks about so much is whatever you experience, you learn from, you try to learn from. And so I think this is an experience maybe more than maybe any other in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's tried to learn from and tried to make sure that that sort of thing doesn't repeat itself. Because again, giving the Chiefs that sort of lead uh, and to have them fall apart in the second half like they did because their quarterback was not himself. I, I think that was obviously a troubling sign of something that they do not want to repeat in the future, especially when the quarterback you have is obviously one of the best to ever play the position. So uh, that kind of sticks out to me from that previous one. And is there motivation? Absolutely. I mean, usually the Chiefs are pretty quiet about this sort of stuff, and they were not quiet about it yesterday. I mean, they have been circling this one on the calendar. This is one they've been looking forward to. They're ready to get back at the Bengals, and that can play both ways. I mean, we've seen some of the chatter that Vahe alluded to online where guys are kind of going back and forth to each other, but uh, this will be a fascinating matchup. And with the Chiefs schedule the way it is the rest of the way, maybe one of the only fascinating matchups left here in the regular season, but this has huge ramifications. I was looking at 538. The Chiefs win 81% to get the number one seed. If they lose, 43% to get the number one seed. So take care of business here, and you really have your destiny in your own hands moving forward and the chiefs can kind of put a lock on this AFC and getting at all important by. So um, this is a really big game in every single way you can make it possible, but that, that 
vengeance factor, that revenge factor, that Patrick Mahomes wanting to show that he can be better against that team factor. And we've seen so many times when he counts on his fingers, all those sorts of things. It feels like one of those sorts of games where that sort of thing might be possible. You know what's funny about it all, though? You're, you're reminding me of this, Jesse. Of course, the Chiefs' only other loss in the last two months the last season was at the Bengals with a second-half collapse, which you would have thought would have informed uh, their mindset going into this game. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if we think the Bengals are kryptonite or anything, but uh, it 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 will really be interesting. Every element you just described is going to be really interesting to track in this game. This is by record, Herbie. Am I right that this is the toughest opponent that the the Chiefs have left, or the team with the best record that the Chiefs have remaining on the schedule? Yeah, you get through the Bengals, and it's almost when you look at the you know obviously anything can and will happen on, on an NFL Sunday, but you get through the Bengals. You got the Broncos, you got the Texans, the Seahawks. I mean, the Broncos twice, and then you close out the season with the Raiders. So, yeah, this is a game they absolutely cannot lose, especially with first-round seeding, uh, first-round buy implications for the postseason on the line and you know, games that you should win to close out the stretch on a high note. The Chiefs already have the worst schedule in the NFL left, and that's with the Bengals. So if you get by the Bengals game, then it becomes like the worst by far. So... Yeah, this is a huge game for the Chiefs, and uh, they obviously can take their foot off the throttle a little bit if they win this game because, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just what it is. I mean, Denver's not good, and Seattle's better than we thought, but still not great, and Texans are terrible, and, you know, the Raiders have kind of fallen apart. So, yeah, this is, this is a really, really – I mean, you, you just can explain it every single way. This is a really important game for the Chiefs, whether you want to talk about motivation – standings by the rest of the schedule it's it's the biggest game of the year left until the playoffs start so the, the 538 figures but jesse that that you uh referenced with the chiefs chances of being reduced of, of being the the number one overall seed going from 80 something to 40 something uh even if the chiefs lose they'll still have a game lead on the bengals i i, I would think that would be a, a buffalo thing if uh uh, you know, Chiefs would be tied if assuming Buffalo. I don't know who Buffalo plays this. Oh, they play the Patriots, I believe, um, in primetime. And so the, the Chiefs, what they can't do is be tied with Buffalo. <laughs> um, and th- that's where the, uh, the, the, that to me would, Buffalo would be the one that would really benefit from a Chiefs loss this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. They would be tied then, as you said, the Chiefs would not have a tiebreaker based off the head to head earlier this season. So um, just plug that Chiefs loss in. The Chiefs would be 44% to get the first round by. Bills would be at 30%. And then Dolphins start to be sprinkled in there at 12%. Bengals on the outside looking in at 8%. But again, they would have the all important tiebreaker against the Chiefs. So that's kind of what you would be starting to look at uh, with that. Otherwise, again, if the Chiefs win, then uh, they really would almost have this thing uh, not on ice completely, but uh, looking really good going down the stretch, especially with the schedule that they have. We heard from Chris Jones this week. I thought was uh, had some interesting comments um, about you know we about the Bengals. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the game Patrick Mahomes had. Chris Jones had a couple of sack opportunities in the second half of the the AFC title game a year ago and could not bring Joe Burrow down. And that 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 had to stay with – it sounds like it stayed with Chris Jones during the offseason. And if, if Patrick Mahomes is motivated to beat this this Bengals team, Chris Jones has to be equally motivated. Don't you think, uh, Vahe, that letting – letting uh, uh, just letting Burrow off the hook a couple times as he did last year? 
Yeah. And, and look, that stood out in a few ways. Uh, if, if I have these numbers right, this is off the top of my head, but I think this is right. I believe Burroughs was sacked nine times the week before and seven in the Super Bowl and just once by the Chiefs. And I, I was uh, on assignment elsewhere the last day or so, but uh, so I didn't know exactly what Chris said this week. But I do remember in the offseason, Sam McDowell asking Chris um, not about the Bengals game, asking him about last season and what what it uh, what he'd taken from last season. And the first thing Chris talked about was uh, I don't know if he used the term whiffing, but but missing a couple sack opportunities and. So that was exactly at the top of his mind, even in a broader context. So I'm sure in the micro context of this game, this moment, what what everybody could have done. We, you know, we did make those points about Patrick earlier, but if you know seven other guys make one more play, um, you know, or then, then it's still a different result. Um, so anyway, yeah, and Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see how that plays out and whatever uh, um, annex might might be part of this. One quick thing on Chris. I don't know if this is true every game. I've only noticed it a time or two. But it, the time, a couple of games ago, I, I was like just looking at him going across the offensive line, shaking people's hands before the start of the game. Um, and then, of course, uh, trash talking with the best of them. It's just kind of interesting dynamic to me that that – you know, once the game starts, everything's on, and then you go back to being a person. I saw that in the Buffalo game, before the Buffalo game. And, of course, when he goes over and shakes Mitch Moore's hand, you, you understand that. They were former teammates. But he didn't stop with Mitch. He he went up and down the, the offensive line, you know, either fist bumping or shaking hands. And um, we need to ask him about that. That's that's kind of, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. If, if, if you had to pick a chief uh, who, who would – identify a chief that would be most likely to do that. <laughs> it's Chris Jones, right? And Chris, Chris was mic'd up for that Buffalo game. And it, there were some really uh, nice exchanges with, with Chris and Mitch um, tender and, and sincere. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. Uh, I think Chris will be up for this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think he will be too. Um, he's having a, uh, you know, certainly a, Pro Bowl, I would say an all pro and even in the conversation for defensive player of the year type of season and a, a big game against the, the best opponent remaining on the chief schedule, I think would help him in, in, in those uh, in that realm to, um, you know, to, to help solidify some, some postseason honors. And, and then, then we'll see what happens contract wise with him after that. Jesse, how how do these teams stack up? Uh, the Chiefs are certainly different because uh, because of no Tyree Kill, um, but they're still the top the NFL's top passing team in terms of yards, and they're still top scoring team. And the Bengals, uh, even though their record is you know, they're two games below the Chiefs, they lost I think two of their first three, and they took the usual loss to Cleveland. They they, they seem to have a Cleveland problem. They beaten every basically beaten everybody else and picked up a terrific victory last weekend, winning at Tennessee, stopping Derrick Henry and um, and they're getting Jamar Chase back this week. Who they won games without him. How do you how do you just measure up the the Bengals versus the Chiefs? Yeah, it's fascinating. I actually was just got done talking about this uh, eight ten sports radio kind of 
judging and gauging these two teams. I think the Vegas line opened at two and a half point favorite. The Chiefs are at Cincinnati. But it, it kind of is an interesting thought question of whether you think the Chiefs are better this year than they were a year ago and whether you think the Bengals are better than they were a year ago. And I looked up at five, the 538 has kind of like a program rating sort of thing where you can look at every week by week where a, a, a team was at a certain point. And it was kind of fascinating to look at that because, you know, we know the Bengals, they made the Super Bowl, they made their run, uh, obviously uh, came pretty close to winning the Super Bowl last year and won a bunch of close games in a row. Actually, right now, that rating system, the ELO rating system, is showing the Bengals being better right now at this moment than they were at the end of last season. So that makes some sense when you look at the Vegas line. Chiefs, fascinatingly, I guess I would throw it back at you guys. Uh, would you think that they would be better or worse or about the same as a year ago? Uh, I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that. But the ELO rating actually was very, very similar. Uh, one of them was 17-10. One of them was 17-14. So this Chiefs team is almost exactly where it was a year ago, which – they actually see it as a pretty positive sign for the Chiefs, given that they traded away a future Hall of Fame wide receiver and got back a bunch of rookies who now are starting to develop and come into their own. But uh, so as far as these two teams go, I would say that the Bengals are a little bit better, actually, than they were a year ago. They won, had some close game luck and, you know, won every close game down the stretch, which got them the Super Bowl early this season, lost some close games. So had some of the bad luck, but now have been progressing on and look better than they were then. Uh, I would say the Chiefs to their credit, are about as good as they were a year ago, and that makes up the line that we're looking at right now. But I, I think one big storyline I'm fascinating in, it, fascinated in is we talk about the young players of the Chiefs. Where are most of the young players populated? It's in the secondary. And where have the Chiefs really struggled uh, to defend teams so far this year? It's when they have a number one receiver. And so Devontae Adams went off. Keenan Allen had a huge catch. I mean, when you look at kind of break up the schedule as when the Chiefs defense has played well and hasn't played well, you're looking at teams that had – true number one receivers and, and teams that really didn't when they faced the Chiefs. So uh, the Chiefs haven't had Trent McDuffie this whole season, so he should play a major factor. Joshua Williams played every defensive snap last week, so he's been a guy that's come on. But I'm very fascinated to see that matchup play out. And we've seen some Jamar Chase Twitter comments here uh, recently responding to what the Chiefs said in the locker room yesterday. So he will be motivated to play. The Chiefs will be motivated to play. But will it be enough? Because the Chiefs need to be able to show that they can lock down a number one receiver before I really put their defense in the discussion for some of the top defenses out there. You know, I, all I would add is just the Chiefs were got scorched by the, the Bengals twice last year in that defensive backfield, much more experienced defensive backfield then. I think you can make a case that athletically, in some ways, this defensive backfield is, is, a, is at least in the ballpark, if not slightly a, a little, little better athletically than what they put out there last year, but the experience factor is is totally different. I I do think though that you could feel like couldn't have gone much worse, especially than it did in the first game against the Bengals with the defensive backfield. And uh, um, I I feel like there's got to be some way that strategically um, they're much better equipped to cope with this than they were last year. Executing is always another matter, but that that, that they're not going to be uh, undressed the same way they were so much last year. We'll see how healthy Jamar Chase is too, by the way. We will. I think he could have played last week. Uh, he, he did not, and they still got the W over, over, over Tennessee. Yeah, look, Burrow went for, I think it was 466 with four touchdowns and no picks in that regular season game. Um, uh, the victory over the Chiefs. I thought after that happened, and, and it, 
and then the Bengals beat the Titans in the playoffs last year to give the Chiefs the home field for the AFC title game. That that um, yeah, look, uh, Chiefs will, they've got uh, they've got the revenge factor. They've got all the emotional uh, the you know factors on their side. They will have studied how to how to play you know Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and that Bengals passing attack and um, uh, game was an arrowhead. Now I just it, and the Chiefs for a half took full advantage of all of that. And, and then the second half happened and I'm still, you know, still at a loss to describe why it happened uh, in, in the, in that AFC title game. So, Hey, let's, <clears throat> let's shift it quickly and talk about the running back situation. Melvin Gordon, now a member of the Chiefs, man, I, I've covered a lot of games where he's had, um, you know, that he's pounded the Chiefs uh, playing for the Chargers and the Broncos. He's had a couple hundred yard games against the Chiefs. And Jesse, just break down what, uh, why he's with the Chiefs and, and what might be the, um, you know, the, the, the playing options for him. Yeah. And real quick, in fairness to the Chiefs, I think uh, Chase went for six catches, 54 yards in the AFC Championship game. So they obviously had a different game plan for him. It just yeah. wasn't enough with some of the other weapons that uh, the Bengals were able to hurt the Chiefs with. But they did have a different game plan in that one. And obviously, it was not the 266 yard performance or whatever that first game was for chase when he went off against the chiefs in the first one uh, in Cincinnati, but uh, Melvin Gordon, I think it's to be determined right now. Um, I don't know, you know, he's on the practice squad. We've heard some reports or whispers out there, you know, potentially he could get activated, but I don't know. I mean, this is one of those chiefs teams where you sort of, if nothing else, you want to do no harm, if you will. And Melvin Gordon coming in as a guy that lost a job in Denver and, got released because he fumbled the ball and it just doesn't seem like the chiefs have too much stomach to be able to put somebody out there if they can't trust him. Now, uh, this also is kind of one of those reclamation projects that Brett Beats seems to love, you know, first former first round picks and those guys that are talented that he loves to bring in. Uh, but you know, on the practice squad now, Andy Reid basically gave the we'll see answer earlier this week and Herbie asked him about what Melvin Gordon's role would be, but it might signify what we probably already knew about the situation, which is the chiefs are not, or, or maybe Andy Reid is not completely in love with Ronald Jones. And so at some point, if there's an activation to be made or a switch to be made there, the prop chiefs most likely will be releasing Ronald Jones. But as of now, it's depth. It's a guy on the practice squad. It's a guy who has a lot of accolades, a two-time pro bowler. And so can he help the chiefs? I don't know, but I do know if he does get in there and fumbles that uh, he would have the shortest hook of all time because the chiefs right now are a team, as we've seen with the special teams, of the punt return game, they need guys to basically just not screw up and give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and, uh, if you're not aiding that cause, then you should have a quick hook, and that's the same way with Melvin Gordon. It's funny. If he were a, a young player, uh, you would say, well, if he fumbles once, you know he'll get a second carry because Andy likes to put him back on the horse. But I think in this case, uh, it's become such a part of his his uh, brand, if you will, right now that that uh, you've got to see that he won't do it. And, and I, I don't know how many chances you can give him that way. I don't, you know, I should know this. I don't, I don't know how much before this year that was his issue or not. Um, I, I, I just, I just don't know if it was uh, something that was always lurking before or just really came into this year. I, I suspect it was really whatever it had been. It was just so amplified this year again and again, I think five times, four, four or five, um, a couple in key situations. Yeah. So I don't know that, that uh, as the old newspaper line goes, uh, twice as a coincidence, three times as a trend story. That's beyond a trend. <laughs> so, 
let's see. Let's see if it if, if it even comes into play. Well, I, I like the uh, the differentiation there, Vahe. I when as I think about it, if you're a young player, a rookie or, or a youngster, and you fumble, you absolutely not only do you get another chance, you you get the next chance. You know, when when Kareem Hunt fumbled to open that Patriots game back in 2017, the next time the Chiefs were on the field, the ball went to him. And Isaiah Pacheco earlier this year, Sky Moore after losing the the, the fumble Sunday, didn't the first play go back to Sky Moore after that? First, first pass. I think there was a run before that. I okay. want to say it happened in Indy too, though, that a, a pass went right to Sky Moore after after that. Yeah. I think close to it. And then I think about uh, LaShawn McCoy fumbling the ball. I think it was against the Colts in a big spot uh, during the Super Bowl year. And that was like the last we saw LaShawn McCoy. If you're a veteran fumbling, you're, <laughs> you know, hasta la vista. You're, you're, you're done. So uh, well, let, Let's be honest about this too, Blair. Like Melvin Gordon has the big name and we've all heard of him, all those sorts of things. I mean, his greatest role for the Chiefs, right now is doing what Ronald Jones did last game, you know, four carries, one catch back up to Isaiah Pacheco when Clyde Edwards Alaire is still hurt. So uh, that's the kind of guy who can't fumble. You know what I mean? Like if you're giving Sky right. more opportunities, okay, great. If you're giving Kareem Hunt more opportunities, well, he's your starter. You're not giving Melvin Gordon more opportunities. The dude, dude has to hold on to the football. So that's sort of the upside for this play. If there is upside at all, again, the chiefs have lots of guys on their practice squad who you thought at some point might make a difference and haven't done anything or haven't even been promoted. So that's still maybe an occurrence that could happen with this. But again, we've all heard about him. He's going to be a name that we all talk about and hear about. But to me right now, if the switch is there, it's, it's one for one for Ronald Jones. And he's kind of the backup getting in a few snaps, a few carries. And if you are that guy playing a very specific role for a team, you cannot mess up what the other 52 guys are doing. Who's the punt returner? going forward and should they even try to return punts justin watson uh Bahay's guy justin watson is the punt returner uh he needs to do this work on this more than he works on anything else because yeah, uh, yeah we talked about it um special teams right now for the chiefs needs to be a not screw up mode they need to get the ball back to patrick mahomes because the offense is really good so you know, there's other years when the Chiefs had Alex Smith or Marty Schottenheimer uh, where special teams really needed to be a factor uh, and really needed to win them games. It doesn't need to win this team games. It needs to not lose this team games. And we saw the Indianapolis game, it lost them that game. Uh, this team needs a fair catch. They need to just take possession of the football, let the offense do the work, let them do the heavy lifting like they've done all year. And if that is what's going to happen, then that's a success. So, yeah, if Justin Watson, until Kadarius Tony comes back, when Tony comes back, you can maybe mess around with the punt returns a little bit more. But until then, I think I'm fair catching everything, and I'm telling Justin Watson to go do it. I I, I think Justin Watson showed us that you can get the crowd fired up by with a fair catch. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's I don't know if he just subconsciously uh, suddenly was taken with the crowd derisively cheering his catch, but the idea that he was whooping up the crowd because he he caught the ball. I didn't get to talk to him about it, but I, it was pretty striking moment um yeah i think it i go back to jesse's hippocratic oath with first do no harm i mean you just gotta it, i mean really even i think you could even make a uh scientific case and and i bet jesse's equipped to do it that all the math tells you ball to mahomes every time just no matter what nothing's more important than ball in mahomes hands uh, more important than four extra yards or eight extra yards more important maybe than a touchdown every 47 returns. Um, 
I think you could probably make a case that you just always do that other than inside the five and you assume it's going to go in the end zone. Yeah. The statistical term by is variance. You know what I mean? If you're the underdog, you want to shoot a bunch of threes. You want to play full court press. You want to do some, you want weird things to happen because you need weird things to happen to pull off an upset. The chiefs are the opposite of that. Like yeah. if the chiefs play their C game and the other team plays their C game. The chiefs are going to beat 98% of the NFL. Maybe they won't beat the bills. Maybe the bills will be a game uh, where we could you know, debate about this and, and one team is barely better than the other. But if you're the chiefs, you don't want these swings. You want this and fair catching is this and special teams, not returning kickoffs is this. So I think most times, again, you're going to bank on Mahomes. You're going to put on his back. You're going to believe that you're the better team. So you do not want the big ups and down turns. And that's what they've gotten from Sky Moore as a punt returner. And that's why you would have to figure they're not going to put him back there again this season. All that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, just, just before we I, uh, go, I, I wanted to, uh, I happened to see, Rob Nassari's questions about Patrick and uh, his interview on New Heights. Uh, the, I don't know if you guys got to see it. I saw a couple snippets um, and two things that were kind of interesting. Uh, uh, the way Patrick described telling the Chiefs that somebody might draft him if they don't move up to get him, basically, Travis Kelsey's conclusion was, so you drafted yourself, uh, <laughs> which was hilarious. But also Patrick telling the story, I've not heard this story, and we've done a lot of pieces about – Patrick's first meeting with Andy, uh, evidently Matt Nagy fed Patrick uh, fed a cheat sheet uh, the, of the plays that were going to be discussed the next day. And and that uh, Patrick basically pulled an all-nighter. At least he was studying instead of just assuming the answers. But he had a little help. Uh, I don't think we get Matt Nagy today, but I think that'll be fun to ask Matt about. Or maybe we do, we do get, we do get um, Matt Nagy today. And that was an amazing story from Patrick. So basically, uh, yeah. He gave him the test before the test the night before. So he gave him the Chiefs playbook. Patrick stays up all night and then comes into Andy and he's like, hey, what do you think about this play? What? And Patrick, oh, I would do this and this and this and this. And so he aces the interview because Matt Nagy gave him the answers. So uh, this will be great to add, ask Matt. But again, we give Brett Veach so much credit for his love of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid so much credit. But maybe we need to give Matt Nagy more credit. He was the one that sort of was like, let me see if I can find a way to get this guy on my football team. Yeah, well, I like the way. Go ahead, Blair. I was going to say, and, and but also give Patrick Mahomes credit for for running running with it. You know, he, it's one thing to give somebody the cheat sheet. You gotta, you know, you gotta take advantage of it. You gotta write it down on your wrist. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I like that the way Patrick phrased that was something along the lines of uh, that Matt kind of liked me, so so he he gave it to him. So yeah, I bet Matt will be good on the topic. All right, so uh, we'll stay tuned for that later today. And look, we, we've run over, but always good conversation. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer George Howard and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Money Davis, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.